My name is Eve Josie Clements. And I am Louise Ward. And we are returning from our, our, our hiatus, long-awaited, the, the, the long-awaited return episode of Transpanic. What have we been up to, Louise? Well, I mean, we banked a couple of episodes, we tried to record episodes, and what we really ran into is that um, we got way too busy making movies. You finished a book, you finished yeah. a record. Yeah. And so the podcast, as much as we love doing it, our, our lives have been chaos. Yeah, it's, um, it, it kind of got to a point where, you know, with both of us also, you know, maintaining the bills, doing, you know, uh, day jobs to survive and, uh, all the other creative pursuits we have on the go. It, uh, it, it got to be a little overwhelming having the podcast as sort of the C thing to the B thing of all of our other art to the A thing of not living on the street. So, well, and it's kind of funny because we, we do have so many episodes banked that we had like, it's like two or three, right? Yeah. Unreleased episodes. So it's like, if we ever have an issue now, it's just like, here you go. Here's something from like six months ago that you can listen to. And I don't know if. I think some of those required pretty heavy editing, which was the the cause for some of that as well, as we had a bunch of, like, really sloppy ones where we were, like, doing drugs on mic and... Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It happens sometimes, you know. You're having you're having fun. You've you you have guests sitting in on the recordings and you you, you take a bunch of poppers and then you're just and then it's a really incoherent episode that like needs to be chopped and slopped down from like an hour and 40 minutes to be at all coherent and you're you're broke and your life is falling apart. And... Well, it, it's kind of interesting because the episodes that we had recorded in those circumstances were all kind of like episodes that were conceptually really interesting and yeah. we got good conversation out of them. Like, for example, our like force femming episode yeah. and these things. Yeah. I think that we'll see the light of day eventually as we as we uh, keep going with the podcast. Um, Patreon but, exclusive. Yeah, Patreon hey, exclusive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, but I, I think that these are all things that we're probably going to end up revisiting, and then we'll just like kind of pull the context out of having watched those films. Similarly to how with like, um, you know, when we did the actors episode that never got released, we'd watched like Assholes Ahead, but we never really planned on doing an episode specifically on Peter's movie. So it like. It is kind of an interesting thing. You have a look on your face because you're hearing a helicopter go by. Okay, sorry, I thought the mic was buzzing. I was like... <laughs> no, you're sorry. fine. Okay, it, we're good. We are good. We've got the pod equipment set up. We are, we are no longer editing the episodes, so yes. we'll see how rambly these things end up being. <laughs> um... Yeah, now we're getting some good mic adjustment. Yeah. Some more. Now, okay, so, okay, so what... to get into our movies, we kind of had a interesting idea here when we came back, which was we focused so much on the early 2000s up to the 2020s, but we're missing a major gap in terms of movies that are from the 70s, 80s, which are very big inspirations on 
you know, everything that came afterwards, especially when we talk about films that fit into a particular scene that's happening nowadays. There's one film that I believe is kind of the like linchpin towards what has pulled all of these together. And what's fascinating about it is, is this movie was kind of long out of circulation, it was kind of known only by like the true art house heads. Like the way I heard about our first film of the day, Andrew Zulowski's Possession. I fucked up his name. Andre. Zulowski, Andre, yeah. Which I should. I I, 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 I. It's because I'm trying to do my femme voice better, and yeah, I see. I just. I, see. I, I, I kind of have a speech impediment now, yeah, so like we'll much, see what happens. I wonder how much uh, voice training progress there is between this episode and the last one. I wonder. Yeah, like I actually did voice training, <laughs> yeah. and and then I kind of just stopped doing it after. So like we'll see, kind of like we'll, where we'll the see where voice we're turns at, out, how we're falling. But yeah, yeah so Andrei Zelowski's Possession from 1981. It's it's a it's a huge movie now. Like going and seeing it at like the repertory cinemas, um, it is like kind of insane where that movie's like sort of place and culture is today versus when I first saw it back in like 2011. Um, because back when I first saw the movie, um, no one really was super aware of it. It was, yeah. it was actually through 4chan that I first discovered it. Okay. It was on one of these lists of like, um, entry level art house or something <laughs> or mid-level art house yeah. that was shared on the okay. TV board where yeah. it would be what like, year is this? What year? 2010 okay. probably, yeah. Yeah. um, where it was like, Hey, you got to check out this movie because it was kind of starting to sh get shared around like torrenting websites and the only place i was able to track it down at the time was on vhs so i watched it the first time with dion um on tape in our little studio apartment and the thing was we didn't have a huge impression because it was kind of one of those things where the guys we knew who talked about it yeah. were all really annoying and we didn't like really understand like what they were getting out of the movie. Yeah. And also it's VHS. So the movie was cut yeah. and the movie was in like a four by three ratio. Okay. So it looked like yeah. crap. So, yeah. you know, now like with the Monovision Blu-ray out, the 4K restoration touring cinemas, it, it is, it is kind of shocking to see how big the movie is yeah. now. Yeah. And I was kind of talking to you last night where when we were watching like the first half of the movie, yeah. there was a comment that one of us made that was like, how is this not like considered one of the greats? Like, yeah. like a true classic that had, had persisted during all that time. I would say it is there now. It kind of is yeah. there now, but I think what held it off is that in the second half of the movie, it gets so abstract in its narrative plotting. <laughs> it does. That I think that that's the, the reason that held it back for all that time. Mm. But okay, you've now seen Possession. Yeah. Give me your thoughts. Okay, so my background with this was I had not seen it before now. We had given an abortive attempt to watching it a couple weeks ago, but we didn't get through it. And because, up until this Because point, Isabel and Johnny's screaming was so loud, it woke up woke our up roommate. roommate. Yeah. And she was like, hey, come on, guys. Come on. And, uh, yeah, I, I had always known this, I guess my main question going in was I had sort of known this from, like, the trans girl comfort core meme of, like, you know, it's like this and Firewalk With Me and, like, House and, like, like, these are the, these are the, the trans girl comfort movies. And it's like, oh, you're so fucked up. Like, oh, you watch Antichrist to go to bed. Um, and... 
I guess my, I, I was reading it the whole time through the psychological lens of like, of like, what's the, what's the trans girl connection here? What's the, what's the, what, what puts it on the mood board was the, was the question I was sort of watching it through. Um, I mean, also we are both, uh, recent, recent divorcees. So this <laughs> hits, um, the, the, I, I've definitely been going through my like breakup horror movies kind of period. Um, but you were saying that, that when you watched, I yeah. made a joke last night saying that this would be the perfect double bill with the brood. And I had just recently rewatched the brood and it's a really interesting comparison point because they're basically the same. Yeah, they're, they're basically the same in terms of it being, you know, you have you have these dual stories of the twin breakdowns of each half of a relationship where like the first hour of the movie is Sam Neill's like, oh, my beautiful loyal wife has betrayed me. Uh, she's she's acting all strange and irrational. And I'm 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 just getting more and more paranoid and more and more aggressive and trying to trying to like control her through like intimidation and violence and, and and freaking out um this like very intense like male sexual neurosis and, and then the second half of the movie is sort of it, it it zooms into her perspective and you see what's going on behind the scenes and what's behind the scenes is incomprehensible it's 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 eternal darkness. Um, and I, I thought it was really funny because it is sort of the way that like in a breakup, um, like the person who leaves is always the one who's like happy and like secure at the beginning. And then the person who gets left is like, has like the worst month of their life. And then by the end of the movie, Isabella Johnny's completely melting down and Sam Neill's like, like okay we'll get this under control we'll we'll, we'll figure out a plan it, it's that meme of like of like women after a breakup yay a month later ah. but i think that there's something interesting to say about the fact that since the movies are are, are filtered through their male direct, writer directors neuroses yeah. that yeah. the the women are like monstrous the whole time i don't yes. think that there's a moment in either film where the women are like doing good maybe maybe you could say they are doing good at torturing the men <laughs> yeah because yeah. like like really like like these well, are movies it's so entirely from the, yeah from the th these are movies about dads trying their best <laughs> and and <laughs> and boy do they try yeah um in spite of their bitch wives like really <laughs> yeah. trying to to ruin them like yeah. like like you know you feel that so aggressively and i think that there's something so truthful about it like it's that that filmmaking that depicts the women as like truly monstrous there's such an honesty there in terms of like how it hurts to like go through a, yeah. a divorce like yeah. that like um I, I i really respect the honesty of the filmmaking yeah and i i i think that you know um initially when when um I, I saw conversations about this movie. Yeah. There was kind of a degree of like, is a movie like this misogynistic? Like, yeah. like the brood is similar in, yeah. in, in its conversations, yeah. right? But I, I think that it kind of almost like goes beyond it in a, in a term I used to use when I was like an edgy teenage girl called um, 
post misogyny, which is the idea of like you're 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 aggressively making something that depicts a woman as like so gross and monstrous yeah. that it kind of becomes a parody of that in order mm. to reveal how men behave. Yes, and and that would be that that would be my counter to that as well. Is like, you know, and I would put I would put Antichrist into this conversation as well with with possession and the brood as far as movies where you're presented with this like monstrous abject feminine but where in the end the disaster occurs because of the male character attempting to control the woman it's always exactly. that's always it's, what it comes it's always down to. you know uh oliver reed and the brood introducing the experimental psychotherapy or it's uh, it's it's sam neill's whole like paranoia in the first sort of section of possession it's this sense of of uh, a man who wants to order the world into rules and structures who is faced with a woman who forces him to confront that that is not the way that the world works and attempting to do that to the world is uh, a, a fool's errand that will only end in the destruction of everyone. Is that um, not you just answering your question about why this is a trans girl comfort movie? Yes, it is. That is also the answer to that question, which is that... You know, uh, well, and I think, you know, it, it does come down to when you've sort of been on, uh, when you've sort of been on both sides of that equation, you you have this sort of, uh, I think, holistic view of like, of like, oh, like, uh, you know, for me, it's like, I, I, I have these memories of what male neurosis was like. And now I have these understandings of what, of what neurosis as a woman was like. And it's like, oh, these two things are self self-creating they're they're they they interact with one another in a way where it is just destructive like, exactly yeah and and you know I, and i think so much of this movie plays on this like idea of like abject feminine jacence right yeah. like like the the thing that bothers sam neill's character the most is the fact that his his wife is having these pleasurable experiences outside of him yeah and and a lot of the conversations he has with her are like based in these ideas like come on you have to come back to restore the family think yeah. of our child bob think about restore this and that. order yeah, yeah we have to restore order you can't be just out getting fucked by a tentacle monster all the time <laughs> and it's like and it's kind of interesting because you asked me a question before we record that's like why the fuck is she calling the creature god oh, right yeah. i think that there's a there's like kind of a tie-in to there where mm. um the German character says to Sam Neill, like, like the only thing we should be afraid of is God. Yeah. I think that there's this idea of him, like, almost, like, the movie is this, like, projection of, like, this dude solipsistically is thinking so highly of himself as, like, the, I, I possess my wife. This yeah. is, like, the, this is my wife. And the, the, the person he has to compete with is God. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. the th thing that you're supposed to fear, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like the, the way in which, like, her jacence is, like, explored is in this like almost transcendental spiritual way yeah. of like it is to him it is incomprehensible how she could leave the family unit and like blow up their lives so yeah. in order to like fill that in it's like okay the metaphor in which we're exploring that is the most extreme person <laughs> that like the most extreme yeah. thing the most yeah. abstract thing that she could be cheating on him with yeah. Yeah. and and thus explains the way in which 
she can behave this way and, yeah. and, and blow up their whole family and all this stuff. It's like, what makes it worth it to do it? Well, and it comes back to that, to that sense of, um, to that idea of the repression of femininity and to the idea of the monster as like the return of the repressed is like the, the, like, uh, there's a line that Sam Neill has with, uh, with, with Gerhard, Gerhard, I think is the German guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says like oh you know the god that you see when you're fucking or when you're on dope um and like that that idea is you know whatever and and i mean and it also is when when gerhard says uh the only thing you have to fear is god whatever you view him as And, and so it's that it's that holy transcendental feeling encased in desire that creates you know whatever your religiosity whatever your spirituality is that's the connection where okay the creature is is god in that the creature is the the libido that's been shut away and that's that's yeah. formed well, into this whole thing and, and you saying this reminds me like it, there's a little bit of a hellraiser <laughs> opening the box I, aspect of it where 100 i was like thinking of hellraiser the and feeding shrank the blood exactly yeah. like the creature yeah. in the film is is so just a like it's it's grotesque but it's yeah. grotesque in that like irogiro way where it's yeah. like the creature exists solely for sexual pleasure for for Isabel and Johnny's character. Yeah. Like yeah. she she talks about when when the one guy comes in, she's like, oh, he's a little tired. We made love all night. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this like grotesque like cocoon yeah. looking thing with these tentacles hanging off of it. And it's so like fetal at that stage that it's like impossible to imagine how it would work. Yeah. And then when you see it at a later stage, it's like, okay, that thing could fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the at the the end of the movie, it it, it appears as the as doppelganger Sam of Sam yeah. Neill, yeah. and isn't the worst fear the the doppelganger? Isn't yeah. the worst fear the version of yourself that's better than you? Yeah. And like, I think that that's kind of the the ultimate joke. It's the same thing that we see at the you know. It's so fascinating because you yeah. you look at you know. I don't want to get super into this, yeah. but it's the same ending as actors. Actors has the exact same <laughs> same final like, it moment. It always comes back. Um, like like the, there's so many movies from this like modern scene that are just doing possession, yeah, and including yeah. its abstract qualities. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is something fascinating to to the way in which this movie's got its uh, tentacles, so to speak, in, <laughs> in in all of these like sort of modern yeah. underground film movements because of the fact that it became this sort of like weird art house dar- darling in the last couple of years which yeah. it really wasn't before like it was only like the weird sickos like me and dion who were like really yeah watching this movie yeah. and even then it was kind of like watched as like a weird sicko underground movie yeah um whereas like you know i knew zulowski as a filmmaker and the movies that were like most respected when i was mm. watching him at that time were like yeah. oh i've got like this like uh f- version of under silver globe i found oh I've, okay. i'm gonna watch third part of the night which i screened at our campus cinema like yeah what possession is the, what is how does this fit into his filmography well this is the movie he made after being exiled from his home country right because oh, okay. he was he was a okay. polish soviet filmmaker <laughs> and um you know he's making these like very intense movies um in in poland mm. and uh like third part of the night or devil mm. and like there are these 
which I, I'd have to look at the timeline specifically. Okay. I'm not a Zulowski yeah. scholar. Okay. I mean, I'm just a fan. I, I like the movies. Yeah. Um, I did, as I said to you, I was like, oh, yeah, I watched all the bonus features on this. <laughs> watched, like, a two-hour interview with him, uh, like, two years ago, and I don't remember anything other yeah. than talking about how, like... They put the cre- pulled the creature together with like almost no money, and it's nice. like it's almost like a magic trick that it looks that good. Nice. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, this movie, I th- I I don't know the whole backstory to it mm. now because like I'm sorry, I did not do a whole <laughs> bunch of research for this because I just wanted to talk about the vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, this is the vibes the, forward um, pod. So like. I don't know the full cultural context, but, like, there there was a degree of, like, you know, he's making this movie after having been uh, in this, like, entirely other filmmaking system for I a long see. time. He's kind I of, see. like, it, himself, like, this weird exile mm. making this movie. And I think that you can feel that in the sort of voyeurism aspect of the movie where there's constant shots of people uh, watching over this, like, Berlin Wall at yeah. the characters and the yeah. fact that... You know uh, Samuel's character is playing this like double agent yeah. and stuff. Like there's there's sort of a there's a lot of like weird cultural like you know texture to the movie. Yeah. That I think just really adds like those abstract qualities that like really drive yeah. the second half into like the sort of like weirdo like phantasmagoric area. Yeah. Where you you kind of lose the plot at a certain point, but it's good because yeah. it it. it takes those vibes into a very, like, uncomfortable direction. Yeah, and 70s Berlin is such a, like, paranoid, intense environment. Like you say, that sense of constant surveillance um, and that sense of, like, just total uncertainty of the future. Um, my, um, my my one note from, uh, uh, from this uh, was, um, are you familiar uh, with it? So there's a bit... In the phenomenology of spirit, Hegel writes about Antigone. And in this, this is like one of my favorite bits of like philosophy stuff that I had to do for school, um, was like basically this idea of like a man who, who pursues law and order above all else to the point where he'll betray his family and a woman who prioritizes family above all else to the point where she'll, um, betray law and order and the, the the production of these two things sort of ending in and the movie has a very greek tragic sort of quality of like just this cavalcade of suicide just everyone dies just uh, everyone dies and in in the hegel way both ideas are destroyed and outcomes um you know sort of this next doomed generation to find their own two ideas to have and destroy each other um and it sort of plays into like the trilogy of the 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 trilogy that we kept talking about of like this the brood and antichrist are all this playing with this very 19th century idea that is like sort of has been read as misogynist and has been read as feminist it kind of goes back to arguments that we've been, you know, having on, on this pod and, and in this episode and in others where it's like, where it's like, okay, is this like, is, is gender difference like an inherent thing and is like the feminine something to be like reclaimed and revalued or is it, um, and Isabella Johnny says in the movie, like, like 
Oh, the only thing similar between all women is that we menstruate, <laughs> which is hilarious also. Uh, um, but <clears throat> That's aged poorly. Yeah. Wow. Yikes, chief. Yeah. Um, um, but it, it is this question of like equality feminism versus difference feminism. And um, the, the I, I mean... The thing I love about uh, about about Hegel on it, and the thing that I love about these movies, is that it is it's taking the masculine perspective, but it's a very self-loathing masculine perspective of like, of like, yes, yes, the woman is 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 chaos and is monstrousness, but it's not the like stupid right-wing Jungian like Jordan Peterson reading of like women need to be controlled. It, it's this. It's this like. It's this, like, I've attempted to, to place my will over the will of the world, which is the will of woman, and I doomed myself. And I, I, love, I love that stuff, because when you, when you start getting into, like, inherent essences and, and thoughts of, like, all this, like, sort of genetic determinism stuff... That's where that's where great horror happens because it, it is that sense of that sense of inevitability and that sense of fate and just drawn towards this thing that this this battle that you've been in forever and that you never realized until it's way too late. Well, and think um, about how so much of the great horror stories about monstrous women are the women are monstrous because of their failure of motherhood. Yeah. Right. Like like this is to me, like, maybe the prime example of that, and, like, in our never-to-be-released episode on actors, <laughs> which we might do a redux of at some point. Um, soon. That, I yeah, I think really yeah. soon. Um, we, we talked in that about how the movie has all these, like, sort of references to possession, because it's yeah. like, possession is kind of one of the best movies about abject motherhood. You yeah. Because we have, like, this failed motherhood and how you're a monster because don't care about your children yeah and i mean the brood factors into that extremely well as too i believe the phrase cis dysphoria was the key word of that conversation yes gender failure within a within a totally non-trans context yes and 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 it's 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 so fascinating because it's like the the sort of embodiment of that that cis dysphoria or gender failure is this idea of like becoming the monster right yeah i mean it it is interesting because like for uh like you know a a trans person like like ourselves it's like the the remedy to that gender failure is you know you you fix you correct your gender right but then if you're like a cis person who's like I have the societal expectations of motherhood placed on me. Yeah. I think it is an interesting neurosis that a lot of filmmakers explore. Yeah. And it's interesting to see movies that are made by women that explore that sort yeah. of abject femininity versus movies made by men. Mm. Because, like, you, know, you look at The Brood yeah. or Possession, and it's <laughs> yeah. like the idea of someone, like, being a bad mother is, like, depicted in the most heinous, yeah. monstrous <laughs> way. Yeah. Whereas there's something so much more self-loathing and kind of, like... Uh, I don't, I don't know, like, there's something meaner about when women make the movies. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. here you have this sort of, like, hysterical realism to, yeah. the, to the movies where it's, like, the performances are so turned up and it's, it's almost like a parody of itself. Like, mm. it's like a parody of womanhood. Whereas, like, I think that movies made by women that fall into this category um, have, like, a more interesting environment where, like, the women are constantly coming up against themselves. Like, yeah. there's just more nuance to yeah. it, right, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, like, 
even a movie like like you know Rosemary's Baby or something like yeah. like there's so many films from this period that factor yeah. into these ideas because I think that men are also and not to speak too generally here yeah. but but I'm gonna say like I think that a lot of these movies come out of like men feeling some sort of like insecurity or fear about like their replaceability yeah in the, in the family well, so I, like I was gonna say it's the Oedipal thing yeah as well exactly. Which is the, the the sense of uh yeah the sense of the child as competitor for the father yeah so yeah. so you have all these movies from like the the late 70s or like mid to late 70s and early 80s that you know because you're you know wrapping up on this extremely tumultuous time in american politics and you're starting to move towards like the what will return with reaganism like yeah. the return to the yeah. american family right so yeah. like with that um you have a lot of reckoning in this period like you know You've just had the 60s where, you know, like, the youth come up and they're like, we're going to be different. We're rebelling. We're going to do yeah. something differently. So yeah. you had a lot of movies at that time of, like, you know, almost punishing the youth for their, like, <laughs> naivete and trying to change. Yeah. And then you have these people starting to grow up. And then it's, like, this idea of, like, oh, my God, I don't know how to, like, yeah. be a parent. This is, like, I've, fucking terrifying. I've become the system. Yeah. And, and, there's, and... there's a weird response to it. And, and also yeah. the fact that the system's not working for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you've, you know, you've, it's post this realization that the system's broken, but then you're returning back to it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of movies from this period that all explore this, um, these sort of general themes of, like, uh, family, uh, dysfunction. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, Possession's one of the best. And I, yeah. I think that the abstract quality of it, as much as I think it makes the last, like, half hour <laughs> of the film a little bit, like... Hmm. Like, I wouldn't call it frustrating, because, like, it, it, it's that Lynchian thing, right? Yeah. I, and where you're watching the movie, and it's like, well, I'm still understanding this on an emotional level, yeah. even if I'm not, like, intellectually following yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, like, I don't think Possession is trying to be abstract. I think that Zulowski probably knows exactly what it's about. Yeah. It's just, like, you're... The movie has so many, like, different, like, narrative avenues that it takes and kind yeah. of diverges between that it, it just becomes a little convoluted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've watched the movie a lot of times. Uh, when we watched it last night, I did fall asleep. So I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was late at night. But, but um, it's kind of dreamlike in that sense. And, yeah. and I mean, like the movie is extremely nihilistic and it's like kind of about, at least to me, it's like the, the end, it's, it's relating the end of this marriage to the end of the world. Like, yeah. It, it, and I yeah. think that's a very personal, like, you well, know, it's a very felt thing by the filmmaker, right? Yeah. And that, and that, that sense of, that the that the end of the world is the end of this relationship in the sense that it's the bubbling over of everything that had sat underneath that like you know a, a social system much like a relationship has these aspects of itself that it has to hold down that it has to 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 repress and coerce in order to function and when those things come spilling over the surface bad sign for that system whether that's you know the home or the, the the society the culture um that's a great note i think to move over into the second film that we watched this week which is can you can, is, you, can you hype us up Aoife, with yeah, uh yeah with the, the special place this movie okay holds in, yeah in, in your so heart this, and in our relationship we, we wanted to do something really special for for the return of, of trans panic. Um, and I think we did, which is 
we watched um, Dasha Nekrasova's 2021 film, uh, The Scary of 61st, which is, for, for those unfamiliar, Dasha is one of the co-hosts of the podcast Red Scare, a very edgy, uh, presumably leftist, question mark, cultural commentary podcast um, that kind of was like a really hot topic between like 2018 and 2020 and now is 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 chugging along it's kind of i'm a little worried about about talking about like red scare and dasha on the internet because they have a really crazy fan base they have a lot of they've got a very powerful reddit um <laughs> well i think i i, I um, think we're fine i think we're fine <laughs> i think we're fine but this this movie holds a very special place for us because a this podcast started as a joke of like what if we did red scare <laughs> and that's why it's called trans panic um and then eventually it was like oh like we don't actually know anything about anything we should talk about movies um that's the only thing we can much talk about um uh and also yeah um it, the, do you want to share with the other the, 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 the other day thing, you watched yeah this? the other thing is uh, i'm having a hard time pivoting because i have so much to say just about about my whole history with that pod and the, the well the, the, here i'll help the stuff. a little bit but the the first basically lulu was the one who put me on estrogen was was she forced me down at gunpoint we were getting together we got a group together to watch all of twin peaks and the first night went to go watch twin peaks lulu made us cherry pie and coffee and she put a pistol to my head to my temple walked me to the computer and said bitch you're filling out the fucking hormone form me i'm i'm so allergic to to medical processes i'm so allergic to bureaucracy that i was like putting it off and putting it off and putting it off i was also still IDing as not binary at this time whoa um and uh uh she she sits me down and I, I I fill out the form. Six months later, I get my script. It's the happiest day of my life. And she goes, Hey, hey, do you wanna watch do you wanna watch the Red Scare Girls movie? <laughs> well, because you had talked to me a lot about yeah. how you're I was like, so like who who are your like what are your like gender yeah. goals? Yeah. And you're like Dasha. Dasha. Um, <laughs> and, the, I was, and, and and I was kinda like Oh yeah, I, I kind of know about her. And then you're like, oh yeah, no, I it's listened to Red Scare rab- for years. It's a years. horrible rabbit hole. Well, and the um, thing was, yeah, the thing for me with with Red Scare is that like pre-transition, it was such a like, it was such a like weirdly gender affirming thing. These like dirtbag New York girls like to like fantasize about being like a hot hot New York like weirdo edgy girl. Um, there's still time. <laughs> there is still time. It'll, it'll probably happen. Um, but I mean, eventually I sort of fell off of the pod cause like, I don't know. They, they, it, it's, it's a real mean spirited show. They say a lot of nasty stuff on there and I, I found it was bringing me down, uh, eventually. Um, well, you would, you had said to me last night that you re-listened to an episode yeah. to kind of see if your criticisms of it held up yeah. and you were like, you know, it's less so the fact that 
it is like they moved in any sort of like like reactionary, right reactionary direction. It's direction. more so the fact that since they're mainly making fun of Twitter discourse that occurs on like let's say our own side, yeah, and like making fun of people who are like cringe and like trying to keep those people in check, it comes across yeah, as very mean spirited and yeah. sort of like serving the same purpose as, as just the like criticisms of it. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. like. I, I well, I've only listened to one episode, and, and becomes, so I don't know. And and again, in in like being that sort of like internal critique in the left kind of idea, which I don't even think they'd probably identify with that anymore, because um, it's all just a bit. That's the other thing is it's just so mm-hmm. irony poisoned that it's just like it's it's the audio equivalent of just like a hate scroll, which is really exhausting. Yeah, because, um, like, I mean, the thing is, is as, like, a cultural commentary podcast, it's it's not particularly fascinating outside of, like, their sort of, like, detached, ironic sense of humor. And their, their, like, dynamic with each other is entertaining and, like, the sort of lore that they've built up. But if you're not, like, engaged with all that stuff, it is just, it's a little dull. It's, it's a friendship a simulator mean. for edgy girls in the same way that all, like, podcasts exist as a friendship exactly, simulator. Exactly. Hi, friends. Hi, I, lo- I love you, whoever's love listening. You. You're, you're my, my best friend. You're, you um, personally are my, my, my whole world. And, um, please give me money. Please, please. I'm hungry. I'm your best friend and I'm so hungry. Um, uh, <laughs> Um, I like how um, that's where you went with friendship. That's yeah, very funny. Um, yeah. But like, you know, the only episode I ever that's listened the to... That's uh, the whole internet is just that. The, my only real familiarity with Red Scare, other than like knowing it was something you liked, was, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I knew I knew, I knew Dasha from Eugene Kolarenko's yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I knew of like the sort of like... I, I saw more of like a cultural scene that I, yeah, I had some degree of familiarity with. And seemed to be kind of interesting. I, I don't think I started paying attention to it until the time that Scary came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than the fact that, like, you know, I was a fan of, like, Eugene's movie Wobble Palace. Yeah. But to me, Dasha was just the girl who was in Wobble Palace yeah. and was in a couple of funny videos on the internet that I never watched. I was just yeah, had a yeah. passing familiarity. I remember when I was kind of, like, flying a lot, I decided, because you had said that, like, they're turn was when they did the episode with alex jones and that was yeah that's 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 one that was that was i think when i stopped listening was when they did the alex jones episode the 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 thing that really turned me off was during the black lives matter protests they said a lot of really they they said some nasty stuff and i I would assume so um um but like I listened, that's just unquestionably like bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, duh. Yeah, I mean like, um, <laughs> so I listened to the Alex um, Jones pod uh, on like a flight to Chicago yeah. while I was like doing stuff, <laughs> and like um, I I remember being like, well, there's there's nothing really bad here. I mean like it. I mean, I, I also have a crush on Alex Jones ever yeah. since I saw him in, yeah. like, Richard Linklater movies as a teenager. And, Fair and enough. didn't really have, like, you know, that, that's kind of my relationship. Well, he just dream about demons. He's just got such a great voice, and, yeah. like, sometimes he'll say things that are so esoteric, and I'm like, <laughs> you kind of you know the <laughs> secrets, man. Yeah. But that's because I'm crazy, and instead yeah. of transitioning for years, I got really deep into esoterica. Yeah. Um, so, like... There's, there's a little bit of a, like, uh, you know, like, 
degree of interest to like that kind of stuff as much as I hate the culture surrounding it. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess to like wrap this all back into <laughs> scary, it's interesting that, you know, people who like Dasha started as an actress, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so, so it, it is like, to me, this is an actress turned director movie as yeah. opposed to like a podcaster turned director movie. Yeah. But as you said, there's no way to really look at it as anything other than being the red scare movie. Yeah. Right. Like, like it, 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 it's uh i mean i made the joke that it's sort of almost like the channel awesome movies in that it's like a a, a internet personality doing a meta riff on their own internet personality dumb making a movie that they never would have gotten to make had they not had that internet personality dumb that's at least my impression but uh, i mean we'll we'll get into the thematics of the well, movie i think it's just uh, all of this context is so necessary to say that I had this weird emotional parasocial relationship with her going into this. And then we watched this movie the first day I ever took estrogen. And it, that was like the best day of my entire life. We saw Mitski afterwards and I just cried. I cried so much. So many hot tears. The, the, I, I love this movie solely because of that experience. <laughs> I really love... This movie has a very special place in my heart. You got it for me for Christmas. It, 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 it wound up in this weird esteemed position in my brain as like the movie that, that, in, that, that, in, that uh, brought me into girlhood. Uh, <laughs> which is great because you know what i'm gonna say yeah is i yeah. think that in that perspective this movie works really freaking well like i yeah. think that i think that this is like a cool <laughs> gaslight gatekeep girl boss yeah. movie like friends him for edgy girls yeah like, it, it is it's the it same totally thing. is like i think that um, I think Scary is a great film. I, I'm gonna go out and say, and I think it's one. Of, it's one of the most interesting movies of uh, the 2020s thus far. I think I was way too harsh towards it in my actors review, where I said it doesn't go far enough. Because when we rewatched it today, we both realized, oh, this is an intentional comedy. Yeah. And when you look at it through that perspective, which I don't know why I wasn't really thinking that before. I think it's because. It's pitched so much as an edgelord, like, sort of horror yes. movie. And then it's like, no, this is like, like, you know, Betsy saying, like, fuck me like I'm 13 years yeah. old is a comedy line. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it does, like... And so many yeah. of the little details of the way the characters behave, like, the way, the sort of very casual way they talk about drugs and the very, like um yeah you know the sort of like obsessive like the fact that nobody except for the boyfriend has a job like it's just this like very very class satire kind of kind yeah of focus well, you thing. made a comparison I, to saying it's like girls yeah it's like yeah girls it is has a horror that movie. same it has that same kind of vibe that because like, it is like very self-deprecating where, where it's a very self-deprecating version of like class satire um and again the movie might the movie might be an intentional horror movie in which case it is pure camp like the, the but there's so many things about it that are so funny that are like so funny in ways where it's just like where it's like okay this is clearly playing camp on purpose and is 
succeeding in that. Yeah, right? I mean, we listened to some of the commentary track, and it sounds like it's one of those... It, it, it reminded me of, like, listening to the Walter Hill commentary on The Warriors, which is, like, my favorite commentary track ever, where he's just talking about how it's like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool, and we did it. Oh, yeah, that fucked up, and we did it. Like, and then you're like, oh, that's how good movies exist, is just people kind of, like, going on vibes yeah, and, like, making a cool movie. A and, stuff. like, Dasha is kind of talking, like... Oh yeah, like that was a cool thing we did. Like, like oh yeah, we kind of came up with that spur of the moment. It was like, oh, really yeah, this inane. Is that. It was an it, inane commentary. Yeah, it, it's 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 yeah. a lot of dead air. It's there. There's there was a lot of dead air in there. Madeline Quinn is like fifteen feet away from the microphone. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just like how the DVD has a like this was not recorded under ideal <laughs> circumstances. Um, <sighs> But, like, mm. it, what is interesting is is when we first watched when we were talking a lot about Polanski fetishism. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was surprised that Dasha dedicated the movie to Stanley Kubrick and yeah. talks about this, like, very taking inspiration from, from Kubrick's filmography because yeah. the movie looks nothing like Kubrick. No. Um, the movie feels like it's striving a lot more closely towards like uh, Polanski, Polanski or, or, or Zulowski. Yeah. Um, so, so that's an interesting consideration. Um, but I guess that in a way, if you think of the movie as like a sicko parody of Eyes Wide Shut, yeah. it's very interesting. Because Eyes Wide Shut, another movie about a dude who's like <laughs> worried his wife's cheating on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and definitely fits into that same sort of general gist of the movies we're talking about today. Yeah. And the the interesting thing about this movie yeah. is the the main characters are all women, right? Yeah. You've got three main women characters, and the, and as, as Dosh says in the camp commentary, this is a queer film. This is a queer film. Uh, <laughs> which um... is so funny. <laughs> She's saying it purely ironically, too. Um, it's tough to tell. I, I, the, the, the tone of her voice was hard to tell. See, the, the whole commentary had a very zanned out quality. <laughs> difficult to read subtle emotions. Well, no, like she that. said, we put this scene in because I thought that it'd be titillating for a horror movie. Like, it yeah. feels like Dasha doesn't really care much about making a horror movie. Like, yeah. she's kind of like, oh, yeah, this would be good. Yeah. People would like this. This would be funny. Like, yeah. and that's what we were talking about with those lines and how over the top so much of the dialogue is. Yeah. It's like, you can tell that it's like, oh, I put that in because it made me laugh. Like, which is always a great creative instinct to follow. Yeah, and yeah. it works. The yeah. movie works really well. I think that if you're willing to, like, go onto its, like, sort of ironic wavelength, you're going to have an excellent time with it. Well, and that's the thing, the, the thing that really, that really got me going about it this time was that um was that the that that homoerotic aspect like it's a movie about two girls getting really obsessed with esoteric shit on the internet and developing this really intense bond and then of like the jilted ex in that situation going completely fucking bananas as a result it it is sort of the like feminine focused version of of, of something like possession as far as the like emotional dynamics um but in this totally ironic totally detached way that's also sort of like that story of like you know intense homoerotic female friendship that comes from like obsession over like uh, o over stupid internet shit 
that's Red Scare. Like, she's telling sort of this weird meta story about the, the thing that, that got her really famous. And also, that's the story of Trans Panic. Like, that's... It's this weird thing that happens where sometimes two girls just get too online. And then... And then a bunch of shit happens to them as a result. It's... I... I... Uh, yeah, I... I don't know if, again, it's so hard to say because it's all so ironic and it's all so behind this, like, yeah, we just wanted to do Eyes Wide Shut, like, uh, like, (laughs) because it's behind this, like, too cool kind of, like, veil, it's hard to say how much of any of this is on purpose, but I did have kind of a profound experience with it this time being like, being like, yeah, we sort of, by ta- by taking estrogen the first time watching this movie, I sort of just set the course for my life. Yeah. Like, I mean, even it, removing the personal <laughs> relationship to it, though, I think that's yeah. really interesting, yeah. right? So you have a movie like Possession, yeah. which is so sincere in how it depicts totally insane things happening. Yes. It, 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 when I saw it at a repertory screening, me and Dion actually walked out because people were laughing so hard yeah. at it. And here's the thing. The movie can play as funny because it makes you uncomfortable with how sincerely it takes yeah. this insane, over-the-top subject matter. And the extreme performance style, which yes. is very much something that's generally more of, like, considered a very postmodern and, comedy well, and, and when you like and I Tim went Robinson, and yes. Eric Andre. When, when you and I went and saw, like, uh, Fire Walk With Me, yeah. it was the same thing, yeah. where it's like people are laughing at these the things that turkey are... turkey and the corn. Well, well, at a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, like, you know, it, it, it's interesting to me how, like, you know, these sorts of, like, very earnest emotionally driven like almost like channeling emotions in a performance style um this abundance of emotion is because you know people laugh at it because it makes them uncomfortable because people aren't willing to go that far i watch these movies i'm willing i don't know i've just got i'm I'm a weird person yeah i'm not really particularly laughing i i'm not uncomfortable i'm like willing to fully empathize and gross myself and what the movie is serving me well and it's because i think once you've once you've spent a lot of time like watching movies and thinking about movies, you sort of lose any care for like verisimilitude where like, I'm, I'm not going into a movie to like see any kind of, I know I'm not going into a movie to see reality. Whereas I think there's a very sort of like, you know, like a very like base level kind of like, Oh, suspension of disbelief like how is this bringing me like into this world how does this feel real at a certain point you just kind of stop giving a fuck yeah about I, that. I agree and, and yeah. you know it's interesting to take it from you know we have this like context in which possession exists in like the ni- early 80s and where it's coming from and it's like explorations yeah. of culture and the family yeah. and then Working within this, like, sort of hype, hysterical environment in the yeah. performance styles. Yeah. But it's all depicted very sincerely, yeah. as I said. So now you have someone who's, like, doing empty citation to be, like... Like, like <laughs> there's no way not to say <laughs> that a movie like Possession isn't a major inspiration on the modern films of the movement. Possession is an inspiration on all of these, yeah. like, like, for lack of a better term, like... Dime Square and Dime Square adjacent movies. I mean, like, but but kind of modern horror in general. It's just become such a linchpin in yeah. terms of like what people think, like the abject feminine is yeah. now, and it's such a shorthand that like you know, Betsy does the fucking 
like Betsy does Isabel and Johnny in this and yeah. actors. Yeah. I have act- actors in my new movie doing yeah. that. Like, it's just such a like, you know, it's something that you can just say now. Everyone's seen the movie. It's like, yeah. hey, I want you to channel this sort of yeah. performance style. But because we exist in, in a in like a post post modernity, like yeah. we're so far yeah. removed from like something anything. Nothing can be sincere because everything's a reference to something else. And if you acknowledge that you like something, it's like cringe and embarrassing and yeah. too sincere. Like you, you you can't be sincere now. So if you're making these things, there's kind of this like level of detached irony that you have to like filter it through. And I think that's the thing that's kind of interesting with saying like scary is that if you're not willing to exist in that mindset of like this whole thing is a joke, yeah, then you're not gonna like it because because yeah. it, it it's it it doesn't work beyond like there's no that's the thing I I, I was bothered by the saying like this film isn't truly transgressive yeah because I was like it's kind of the weakest possible way of approaching something like this yeah but that's kind of the point that's what makes yeah. it interesting is that it is just kind it's of this detached like oh yeah this is kind of funny like yeah. you know it, it's yeah Betsy ride around a little more let's see it yeah like <laughs> you know and, and it's because it's, it's because it's so silly and yeah. also but you think yeah. about it in context yeah where we're not, like, imagine you're not internet poisoned. Yeah. It, it's a weird Ouroboros, right? Yeah, you're only going to watch this movie if you're a crazy internet poisoned person. Because yes. that's who it's made for and by. And it's about that. And it's about that. But at the same time, the sort of shit they're doing where it's like, Betsy, like, f- fucking, like... Shoving the photos, shoving the photos of, uh, of Prince uh, Andrew, Andrew in her pussy. Yeah. And, like, like fucking doing that the big, like, freak out where she's masturbating against Jeffrey Epstein's apartment and all that stuff. Like, if... Yeah. if if I showed this to my dad, he would be severely off-put by this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, so it does work on this, like, weird transgressive level, but it's because it's so funny and feels so goofy to yeah. be doing these things yeah. that it's, like, kind of bizarre. Like, yeah. the movie's both transgressive and not transgressive <laughs> depending on how fucking it's, crazy you it, are. It's a horror movie to people who aren't, who, who don't know what's going on. <laughs> I guess, maybe. The thing is, is, like, if, if you didn't have all of the context that would drive you towards watching this movie, yeah. would you even be able to get anything out of it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm like, too far down. Like, like, like think too... about the scene when Annie, Anna is, like, playing Ghislaine, right? Yeah. Like, you guffawed with such a, like, level of, like, amazed, baffled yeah. laughter when we watched it the first time. That means nothing if you don't know yeah. all of the cultural context yeah, of the no. scene right like it's so funny it's a it's a cameo entirely for uh, again it, it's the channel awesome movie thing it's like <laughs> it's like oh look it's oh it's this contributor for one scene goodbye like it's yeah it's fucking my life is a joke <laughs> yeah it, it, you know like, it is it is kind of funny how you make the channel awesome comparison and, and i like i was actually gonna try to i am at one point gonna pair one of these movies with the channel awesome film. we're gonna we're, i i am gonna, gonna do go it because point. we talk about I, it a lot. I, I i've had that idea because it's like there's such a degree to which these movies are that new thing where it's like oh here's a bunch of internet personalities getting together to make a movie yeah. and it is borderline fascinating how like internet culture can interact with cinema and how like the 
for lack of a better word, like the empty citation, that like yeah. postmodern quality of these things interplaying with each other, where it's like it within the medium of cinema, it's like this is meaningless, but because there's this extra additional cultural yeah. context that we're yeah. referencing, it suddenly has like a greater degree of me- meaning and value. Yeah, it's like it, it's just funny that this stuff is taken really seriously yeah. because of like how different internet culture is now than it was back then also all these people are just far more talented i mean i i'm gonna go that far and say like (laughs) scary looks gorgeous yeah it's it's a well like told story it's like it's like a real movie like it it, it looks amazing and and i think that there's a lot of i I, it's interesting that they say uh kubrick was a major inspiration because like there's some kubrick shots in this but like they're they're I would say it, it is fitting more into the Plansky or yeah. Zalowski with like a lot of the yeah. flowing camera moves and then some of this like very intense framing within framing and stuff it's yeah. doing. Um, well, like another, the movie looks amazing. Another interesting parallel actually is Dasha mentioned in the commentary that like a lot of it was shot during lockdown, which has that very kind of parallel between like, you know, it's this surveillance security state status of things that you can just sort of feel ambiently when they're doing those guerrilla shots in the city. Yeah. It is very 70s Berlin, what she's getting out of New York in 2020. Yeah, because I I assume that's what they were shooting, because they said that they did pickups in March of 2020, uh, right around the time lockdown had started. So it is interesting how you end up with this very empty city yeah right like like yeah. it's, it, it is it does work really well for the movie i mean uh, f- fuck it's good it's a great film I, i've got to say like <laughs> like they they went out and they actually made like a good movie for not very much money like, yeah i think i think it's it's remarkably impressive that they yeah. pulled this off well and again like the first time we watched it we were really like shitting on it and being like oh this is like you know just taking it as as naive camp but it's so it's so obviously not that like it's so everything is done so tongue-in-cheek um and it and it does look gorgeous well it's because the first time we watch it you're watching it in this context to which it feels like the movie is hyped up as this like super edgy movie that's a horror movie about jeffrey epstein yeah and then like you know you're watching like betsy channeling isabel (laughs) and johnny and these like honestly betsy is like she's such a star she's so beautiful and she just is willing to go places that no one else (laughs) will right now yeah she is she is she means everything to me um she was always like my highlight of the movie and like the first times we watched it and then like watching today it's like oh no like the whole movie actually like works in with all these elements in tandem because I always thought like yeah. Betsy felt like she was in a totally different movie than everyone yeah. else. Like it's like I want to watch Betsy's movie. Yeah, but um, but the, you know watching it today, it's like oh no, you need the two levels playing off each yeah. other because it's like you know you need Dasha to be there as this sort of like audience self insert as yeah. like it like walking around like oh yeah. Dude, she's fucked up. Yeah. Like, you know, it's no, like... the the well, and like Betsy's whole thing, like I was saying, like plays into that whole envy aspect of it, and that sort of sense of like queer envy, especially like in in female friendships, where it's like where it's like, oh, like I've been replaced. We talked about the parallel between actors and that, as far as it's doppelgangers again. Like it's it's the sense of of oh, are my weaknesses too great to be accepted by by other people, by society? And am I going to wind up in exile to only be 
used by my shitty boyfriend staring at his empty bottles of Powerade and creatine on his yeah. desk table. Well, and it is interesting like, because Actors was shot before Scary. Yeah. About a year before. So, like, it there is something fascinating in, in this sort of standpoint of, like, um, you have, like, like, you know... All these movies are kind of inspired by possession to some degree. Like, mm-hmm. I've never talked to Peter about whether or not that influenced, like, the way in which, like, Betsy channeled yeah. that performance, like, especially yeah. with the street freakout stuff and, and assholes. Yeah. But, like, you know, it all feels like somewhere <clears throat> in the ether of, like, that, what's happening with these performance the, the, styles. The, the impact of the subway scene specific is so, so blatant. Like, especially yeah. in the scary stuff. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, like, you know, it... You know, Betsy kind of kills it with with that, honestly, and she I think does. It's hard to go to it, those extremes, and and she fully fits into that abject feminine. And then you know what? Actually, Dasha, when she's got her like nose broken and stuff at the yeah. end, like I think that they're going for like a visual comparison to after Isabel and Johnny gets beat mm. up by Sam Neill in the yeah. movie. Like yeah. you know, you have these like little snippets of like empty citation, which for me work great because like they're very visually arresting images. Yeah. Like it looks good. I mean, like. Get some hot girls covered in blood. I'm yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the movie works surprisingly well, even though it's kind of like try hard gobbledygook. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's it, definitely it's, like very, very, very meta and very specifically targeted as it, at its target audience. Yeah. But like, I mean, if that's you, like, if that's you or honestly yeah. if you hate all that stuff and you like just want to clown on it like it's it's good for that too yeah. and it feels like it's sort of built for that too like it's 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 interesting it, it, and that's the thing is the um, movie never swings too hard because everyone's afraid of being sincere yeah and because yeah. you know that's the environment to which yeah. we exist it's an internet movie yeah. you can't be sincere in an internet yeah. movie or else you look like you're making a channel awesome film those yeah. are sincere yeah that is like that's what's beautiful that, about that's, what, that's yeah. what makes those yeah. movies genius yeah. and amazing yeah. is like those are auteur driven <laughs> yeah I, I i think that like with with this it's like well we can't try too hard because if we do it's gonna make us look like fools if the movie's bad so yeah. the movie just doesn't it doesn't swing too hard yeah but that also means that it ends in a position where it succeeds fully at what it's trying to do the movie as i said looks great i i think that it it takes all of its elements in terms of the filmmaking yeah. very seriously um it's a very well-made movie um and it, it's really just the story doesn't like push far enough and kind of like it it relies too much on like the postmodern like referent referential quality yeah. to like you know it just has the you know yeah. Dasha says like oh yeah like you know we realized we just couldn't come up with something better for the note but once <laughs> the eyes wide shut <laughs> so we decided to use that note and like yeah. you know it, it it's like yeah you see you can just take from something else yeah. put it in your movie and it works as a like little postmodern exercise yeah. um, but doesn't like reach a heightened level of like yeah. oh these people are striving yeah. for something that's like great and new and original yeah. and i think that that's those were like my initial criticisms of the yeah. film but when the movie's not trying to do more than that like i can't really criticize it for succeeding at what and, it does try to do yeah and when i think about these particular criticisms of it as well like i do think of it kind of in in the lineage of midnight movies like i would love to have uh, i would love to see this with an audience and see if if that postmodernity works 
in the same in a similar kind of way to like how like john waters movies do where like you know you go to the cinema at midnight you take acid you like laugh like crazy at this at this at this wacky thing that's been put in front yeah. of you and then you go home and and you know i i mean i think the 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 waters movies have more to to dig into when you actually think about them than this does but like that kind of that kind of experiential quality well, of it, it this is a movie you could do that well with. because like, I, I would say that the so here's the thing yeah. well, the reason i say like betsy's on another level in this movie yes. is because betsy's not afraid to be grotesque yes and and, and she yeah. does get to yeah. places that are kind of grotesque in yeah. this right yeah. and, and uh, that's why she's like maybe the best actress of her generation she's going to be amazing and do a lot of great movies um the the problem is no one else is really willing to humiliate themselves in the film to quite the same degree. Uh, to, to the yeah. same degree. I mean, yeah. like, there's, like, a degree of it. Like, uh-huh. you know, you could tell that Dasha was, like, a little bit uncomfortable to do the... When, well, at least when she talks about it, she says she was uncomfortable doing the, 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 sex, the sex scene. scene. Yeah. But, like... You... And then she was like, my ass looks great. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I, I don't know where the <laughs> truth lies in that, because, I mean, like, with Dasha, everything yeah. in her public persona is a performance, yeah. which it has to be remembered. Yeah. Like, she is... She is kind doing of playing a, a character. Yeah. Um... So like, that that's kind of an interesting aspect of the movie. Well, and the movie was very much sold as being the earnest, the the pivot from that persona to like, this is my earnest art, and it it's, and I mean I guess that's why we took it as as naive camp the first time is we just it, like it feels like a rug pull to be like nope it's mm-hmm. actually still the bit. Um, yeah, but yeah. you just have to be aware of that going in, or yeah. else it is going to feel it, weird. It's, it's pretty ponderous. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, the movie just doesn't put strive far enough to let anyone else really humiliate themselves in the way that, like, a classic... Like, yeah. when you make John Waters comparison, yeah. it's like, no, everyone's, like, so game to push yeah. as far. Yeah. The movie we're shooting right now, yeah. everyone is so game to push as far as yeah. we can, right? So it's, like, it's a totally different vibe. Like, yeah. I would say that, like... You know, like, I'm trying to reclaim sincerity to some degree. And I think that, like, um, I th- I think that's, that, like, the reason I prefer, like, something like actors yeah. or assholes or even, like, uh, Matt Johnson's movie, The Dirties, that are, I, yeah. I would all group into this, like, neo-transgressive scene. The reason I prefer those is because they all have people in them who are willing to go that extra mile and truly humiliate themselves. Yes, yeah. And I think that that's, like, the important thing about, like, why I feel that those are more sincere movies is because, like, it takes a lot of guts to do some of the shit that you do in those films yeah. and bear yourself to that degree. Like, yeah. there's a sincerity that I really appreciate and respect. Or, like, Pinocchio 964. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this going too, going where, further back, for, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then like you know, talking about like possession or the Bruce, like, yeah. like these are movies that like are sincerely felt, and yeah. like you get to see how ugly that looks when you're sincere with your emotions, yeah. and actually willing to explore this these things. And I mean, um, it, it it is interesting, just how different that sort of scene is now than like, yeah. like a, an older quality of movie. And, and that's why I like to uplift the people who are working in this sort of like transgressive film yeah. movement that yeah. are, are actually like trying to push some degree of boundaries and aren't yeah. like afraid to like 
do something that is like kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I had another point I wanted to make that has slipped out of my head that okay. I was going to say to wrap. Oh, I actually have a Gadasha okay. story. Okay. 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 <laughs> so okay. there we go. Are so, we gonna get? Are, are, are we gonna get implicated in anything? No, 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 no. This okay. is a. This is a. This is. Don't worry. This is a, <laughs> not stirring drama on the pot this, again. This is not in a. The last ten minutes. This is not a, a, a pot stirring story. I, I, I have. I have. I. Yeah. Okay. So, um, because of my place in the film industry, I, um, screened my movie Computer Hearts at the Music Box of Horrors last year um, as a, and I was invited to do that and I had the spot that Dasha had the year before was scary in the in their like I can't snap but I'm movie, snapping movie marathon so uh, I was uh, you know I was yeah. I was that year's Dasha yeah. you know how it goes so Dasha of the year Dasha of the year so I, I'm talking after and, and my, my friend Will who had, who had booked our screening um, of the film um, and was going to be monitoring the Q&A with me and Dion. Yeah. Um, asked me, so are you going to take any audience questions? Or are you okay if I just moderate the whole thing? And I, who have done many a Q&A in my life, um, was like, oh yeah, no, we're not asking the, like any questions from the audience. They're, they're, yeah. they're, I don't want to hear someone talk about themselves for five minutes. And then I go, uh-huh. Uh, like So yeah. um, basically... What ended up happening was, uh, he then goes on to tell me like, yeah, you know, like Dasha was very persistent that we would open it up <laughs> for audience questions, and I was like, uh, like Will was like, yeah. well, okay, I'll I'll compromise. You can have one yeah. audience question at the end. So they go through their whole Q and A, and then they open up for like one audience question, and uh dasha who, who kind of want to do it because she's like yeah you know i'm sure some people will be here to like yeah. you know want to support the you know yeah. are here because they're a fan of like yeah. what, what i do on the pod and stuff i um, need to open the floor to a red scare fan for at least five minutes. yeah well they they call on somebody yeah. who then asks this extremely long-winded and like yeah. weird movie about very obscure giallo movies okay and dasha's like yeah i haven't seen any of those and then <laughs> afterwards uh, I, I, I will have said that Dosh was like, you were right. That was awful. Why didn't you stop me from doing that? Um, so I think that's just, that's just really funny. I mean, yeah. I, and I think it kind of fits into this idea of like, I think that scary exists as a movie that has its very clear and specific influences rather than yeah. coming from a love of the genre or anything like that as a whole. Yeah. I think that Dasha is someone who cares about um like i cares about this sort of movement that yeah. she's a part of the scene she's a part of and as opposed to trying talented. to do so, yeah very talented but it, i think it comes more from like this like interesting almost like outsidery perspective to like making a movie where it's mm -hmm. like you know she's an actress first yeah. she's like this sort of like cultural critic she's coming in to direct a film and it's yeah. not coming from this like deep love and appreciation for cinema which i think she absolutely does have because yeah. like on the commentary she does like you know name drops some like really great movies but it's yeah. not like you know when you talk to some of our friends who are making films where it's like this extremely deep and like <laughs> encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of of every movie ever made you know well, maybe it's she like maybe she different. was just tired that day maybe she, maybe the commentary track was like oh, i'll just pull the obvious ones maybe all these all oh, those yeah. obscure so giallo well, are just in there yeah well i mean if we ever end up 
fucking smoking in a, outside a cinema with yeah. Dasha, you can ask her about Giallo movies and I'm, see what she I'm has not to say. Dasha shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, you can do the talking through that one. Yeah. Um, anyways, so the pod is back. Um, this is, uh, this has been a joy, uh, to be, to be back in the saddle. I think this is a really good one because it kind of encapsulates all of our overlapping interests and in like, okay, we're doing the canon, we're doing today, and we're doing a bunch of petty internet drama bullshit. Uh, and the the whole overarching context around everything, which, yeah, it's yeah. it's nice. It's, it's, it's classic classic app. One in the can. No, wait, wait. Yeah. Here, here's the last question: we yeah. have, we also watched Driller Killer two days ago. We did, yeah. Which is a, an outstanding movie, Incredible. and I I just kind of realized that there is a a great comparison point from something like Driller Killer, yeah, to Scary. Okay, both being New York. Okay, go off. Go um, off. Go off. Driller well, killer. Well, all I can say is, I think that that, that mm. as much as Possession is interesting, it's yeah. like talking about how inspired this modern like type of movie. <clears throat> I think the biggest difference <clears throat> between what constitutes like a transgressive film yeah. in like the exploitation period of the 70s and yeah. now is like Driller Killer is like doing the same thing where it's like, what if you're in an apartment with like two women who girls. Uh, two beautiful girls who drive you crazy <laughs> with yeah. all of the like, you know. <laughs> And uh, with then, their drugs, yeah, with their, their drugs and lifestyles. lifestyle, and yeah. then you go out and start doing murders. And it's yeah. like Driller Killer. It's so face value. It's so sincere. Where it's like, <laughs> like the sincerity of Driller Killer is able. For I era. hate these girls. Yeah, I hate these girls. So I go out and kill bums <laughs> with a drill. And, and the movie is is exactly what's on the tin. Yeah, it, it delivers exactly what he, you're supposed to he see. Drillers, he killers, and then. Which honestly has uh, a very like weird phantasmagorical <laughs> quality too, because there's like all these like mm. weird edits and stuff. Because Ferrera's like you know one of the best filmmakers ever, so like it's a very like artistically done movie that is still exactly what it is on the tin. Yeah, you jump to Scary, which has a lot of the same artistic inclinations in terms of its editing style, shot yeah. composition, yeah. all these things, but there's not a a, a bit of sincerity yeah. like it's still showing you what's on the tin but it's not doing it in a way that's delivering like the kill I, I said to you well, the kills just... in driller killer are so gratuitously fucked up whereas there's <laughs> there's nothing in scary that's like yeah you know what when you know when what? when Betsy gets murdered at the end it's pretty fucking gratuitous yeah maybe I, maybe and, and... Maybe I, I and she is was... earnestly portraying an ironing poisoned existence. Like it's that kind of chicken and egg yeah. thing where it's like you, you know, if your if your life is this like silly joke of looking at screens, like. Never yeah. mind. I take back anything I said that yeah, was a no, criticism. They're actually the same movie. movie. They're the double, same movie. This is double feature. They pull, scary drug killer. No, what? They've brought um, back exploitation. Yeah, it's, they're it's doing back. it. It's Life's so awesome. Alive. We are we are here we're in the here. moment. It's... This is the scene, and it's <laughs> yeah. it's coming back. And I can't wait to yeah. see what comes next. Transpanic, back in the saddle. Woo! Woo! <laughs>